And we're back again for another episode of the South Down Collective. I am Stu. What's up, peeps? I am Steph. The purpose of this podcast is to inform and unite local athletes to training groups, events, and opportunities in the Homa Thibodeau Bayou region. Have you been staying indoors lately to avoid the cold, running on the treadmill, hitting the gym, going to aerobic or spin classes, or maybe you've been thinking about joining a CrossFit gym or taking up mixed martial arts? Or after our last episode with Kinsey, you decided to start using the Couch to 5K app. This is the podcast for all things fitness, and we hope that you'll find this as your weekly one-stop shop to what's happening locally in fitness and training. This episode is being recorded on Sunday, January 17th. So Steph, anything funny or interesting happened this past week? We actually had an awesome event today in Thibodeau. Stephanie Salikas, which is the coach of Nichols track team, put on an event through her record setters club that she's doing. She actually had 14 total people attend, which was a record for her in itself. Lots of people came out and ran faster than they anticipated. And there were three people who actually PR'd their half marathon. That was Brad Cortez with a 127.37, Khan Labat with a 129.37, and Wally Notcan with a 139.31. So it was a great day for running this morning. Absolutely. And one of the really cool things about the run this morning and... Honestly, the the cool weather really helped. Um, It would have been the morning that we would have had Louisiana Marathon, but it happened with a lot of people this morning. But Nikki Nockhan's an example. She went out and said, I I just want to try and run 830, 845. So I said, okay, well, I'll come out and do that with you. And the girl busted out like 807s easily and even had, uh, I think it was 749 last mile in a half marathon. So it was really cool to have an event that was unofficial but organized so that people could kind of test their training and everything they've been putting in to like for her to realize that she's way stronger right now than she realizes. So it was a really good morning. Everybody was really happy. Um, Jory even came out on the bike just to kind of ride around and take care of traffic and right. uh, make sure everybody was okay so it was it was a great day shout out to nikki congratulations yeah yeah anything uh interesting happened with you this week this morning we had a really good turnout for our social ride we had like oh, eight awesome. riders show up kind of not really expecting that good of a turnout because it was kind of chilly i think it was around freezing or whatever this morning but we had two kind of uh, older familiar faces it was nice for everybody to show up to have a nice little ride and just to get to chit chat I, I was thinking about it for the podcast it's just just talking about life and different things and sometimes I really look forward to that because you know when you're when you're going really fast or you have like a a more serious type ride or training event you don't get to have that socialize and so so that was um that was a lot of fun I, I really enjoyed that today and just a reminder if anybody's looking just to come out and join us for our Sunday social rides we usually meet up around PJs at 8 a.m all skill levels are welcome we keep it really slow we call it a conversational pace and we just do two loops out mandalay savan val high area and today everybody went to pj's afterwards had a coffee we've been kind of rotating back and forth going to downtown joe's also if guys want to get beignets or whatever um as far as events go everything is the same so far as what we discussed last week so please check the show notes we'll have links to any um, races going on in the upcoming area So today on the show, we have an incredible athlete who has made the U.S. national team of grappling five years, a CFL scout, a strength and performance coach, and a second degree black belt. Welcome, Gabe Barahona. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for being here. here. 
Were you an athlete growing up, like whenever you were younger, junior high, high school, stuff actually, like that? Actually, believe it or not, no. No, no. I, was actually, I was actually like, a, I, was a, I was an academic kid coming up. Really? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Actually, my, my parents wanted me to focus more on academics than they wanted me to participate in sports. Um, I played football for a little bit in junior high for a couple of years, um, and that was kind of it up until, um, after I got in, until I got into college. So when did you start jujitsu? I started jujitsu in college. I, st- I started really? in December of 2001. Funny story, you know, I was doing martial arts in college. I was doing a lot of uh, Shotokan karate. I was doing Tai Sabaki, which is a form of Japanese martial arts. And a buddy of mine telling me one day, he's like, hey, you know, a friend of ours, who I'm a guy I'm really good friends with now, Darren DeSalvo, man, he's, he's over here. He's, we're, we're working out. We're doing jiu-jitsu. And I was like, man, what's jiu-jitsu? And I thought back to the UFC days when we used to watch the early UFCs, watching Hoist Gracie win and whatnot. And I, and I remember, like, oh, yeah, it's Hoist Gracie's art. So... He had actually invited me um, to go check out his academy where he was training uh, part-time. I ended up not making it to his school, but I ended up finding a school closer to Loyola University where I was going to school at the time, and it's called the Reality Combat Academy. So I went there and started training with who would become my instructor for a few years, Christian Rothamel, and just fell in love with it. Absolutely hands-on, very physical, you know, absolutely great for just getting yourself back into shape. So what makes jiu-jitsu different from other forms of martial arts? Well, let's think about the traditional martial arts. There's a lot of striking involved. With jiu-jitsu, you're going to incorporate more grappling. Now what, now you're asking, what is grappling? The more tying up, you're looking more at your chokeholds. You're looking more at your wrestling. You're looking more at your judo, your throws, takedowns, a lot of groundwork, like learning to fight off of your back, learning to fight when you're on top of someone. It's, it's very hands-on. So you know when you're actually doing your sparring, um, you're actually engaging with someone else, grabbing the geese, setting up chokes you know, setting up arm bars. So it, that's where the main difference comes in. So that there, there are not really any strikes until you actually turned it into mixed martial arts and you start incorporating everything else. So you are currently an instructor at Blacklist BJJ, correct? Yes. yes. If someone, because I've read that jujitsu is actually one of the better forms of martial arts and forms and in ways of like real life protection. Like if you wanted to learn as a female or a male defense, sure, it just makes more sense for real life situations. If someone wanted to get into like attending a class or something there, do you have a website that people can go to? Is there a certain class? Yeah, it's that just, you would recommend uh, just them go doing? to blacklistbjj.com. Okay. Um, and if you go onto the site, we'll have all of our class times. And if anyone who wants to come check out a class, I don't, you know, just, Pick a day that you want to come and show up. Um, you can call the academy, let them know you're coming, so they know to expect you, and they can give you the best class to attend. Um, if you know, if if you're experienced, you know, just come to whatever class you want. But if this is your first time and you really want to find out what it's about, we always recommend coming to our beginners classes. We can even have you participate in the class. Best way you're going to figure out if a martial artist for you is to actually participate in it and try it out. So we always recommend, you know, hey, come in, watch class if you want to. But if you feel like participating, jump on the mat. And that's here in Homa. Where exactly is it located? Okay, so uh, where the AMC Theater is. So whenever you hit the cur- yep. whenever you hit the turn to come back, when you're passing up the Dollar General, we are little on the right on the neck on the corner of the next block, which is the old Sugar Plum Building. So how did you get into being a strength and conditioning coach? Okay, so for the NFL, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For for right. for the NFL. Right. Well. I was not, just not necessarily that to make for, the, sure. for an NFL team. I was actually right. I was actually training NFL players. Correct. At a facility called Bomberita Performance down in Miami, I actually made the U.S. national team of grappling in 2009. Okay. I made their roster, competed, did well, came out fifth, fifth in the world. But I knew that I needed 
to get some expert level training. I already had expert level training from American Top Team. So I, I was like, okay, well, I just got to get myself in better shape. So I looked around in South Florida and ended up finding Bomberator Performance. Before I was actually a coach there, I was actually a client. So, I was wondering because I yeah. saw lots of pictures of you actually performing work. And I was like, man, it's very rare for you to see a coach actually that that level of performance, right. like participating. Correct. But if you, if you really understand sports performance work, you really have to do it to really understand the biomechanics of it. In the process of me preparing for the, tw- the 2010 World Championships, I went down to Bomberia Performance for, I think, two months. In the process there, I was actually working out alongside of, of the NFL veterans. So learn the program. I actually developed a hand skills coordination program for the NFL linemen, that for the offensive so cool. and defensive line. Uh, you know, for the offensive linemen, just how to, you know, how to break hands when, when they're being grabbed. For the defensive linemen, it, a lot of pass rush stuff. So was working both sides, and eventually Pete came up to me and was like, hey, man, look, the guys really like the stuff that you're doing. Why don't you just come work for us? So he offered me a position. So I started going down there regularly to, uh, to work with the, with the NFL guys and then eventually got involved with NFL draft prep, which, wow. became, which actually came my, my mainstay down there. So I would go down there at the, in January for a month to help prepare the guys who were going to the NFL combine. Yes, a like what a like memories, like that's a oh, huge very accomplishment. So. Very much so. And it's great too because certain guys that we started, they're now pro bowlers. Um, Olivier Vernon's playing today for the Cleveland Browns. He was one of my linemen down there. Uh, he was a defensive end for the University of Miami, and today he's going to be playing defensive end for the, um, the Cleveland Browns when they, play the, uh, when they play the Kansas City Chiefs later today. It's something that I never thought I would have the opportunity to right. do, let alone at that level. Incredibly blessed I've been able to do it. Yeah, right? yeah. for sure. So, okay, you have all of these things. How, how did you get into the CFL Scout? Okay, so from Bomberita Performance, um, Pete was actually contacted, um, I believe in 2013, to start doing the NFL Regional Combine. So the NFL actually acquired a business that was already doing player analysis and player evaluations around the United States. So they actually bought the company and rebranded it with their logo, kept the same people, but then they started looking for others to help work the event. So I, in 2013, I actually started working with the Combine down in, in Miami at the Miami Dolphins facility, and we did that for three years. In 2016, I believe, we started having the Combine in New Orleans, and I started running it for the NFL. Wow. Yes. Okay. It became direct talent analysis hosting the event, all the, all the logistical work for the event, making sure that you know uniforms were down there, making right. sure that the hydration was down there, coordinating with the New Orleans Saints to make sure that our days were good, that we would actually have staff there to assist us if we needed. That's how I transitioned from bomber to performance to doing work for the NFL. And that job actually took me to the CFL. I would always attend player workouts that were hosted uh, here across the southern United States. And there was one particular workout uh, ran by the Listini Group when I attended this workout, I actually ran into a scout named Cole Huffnagel, who had just started with the Calgary Stampeders as the uh, director of U.S. Scouting. So he and I talked and really hit it off. And so he gave me his card and said, hey, look, if you know anyone who could realistically come up and put in a good workout and we could sign, definitely send them. So I said, look, I have one guy from HOMA that I know could make your roster. I said, that's it. I have one guy. He goes, okay, well, What's his name? So his name's Jamal Nixon. Played for Arkansas. Wide receiver played for Arkansas Monticello. I believe he was an All-American. Send Jamal to him. Works him out. Signs him. 
then he signs me. Aww. <laughs> That's awesome. What a big day. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It was, it was, it was, it was great how we transi- how transitioned yeah. because what a lot of people don't know is I was actually doing Jamal's sports performance work here, nice. here in Homa. So while he was getting ready for his tryouts, I was actually the one getting him ready, doing, using all my knowledge that I learned from right. Pete at Bomberia Performance. Took all that knowledge and uh, been helping athletes here in, in Homa for a good while. And most people like that just goes totally under the radar. Right. Like a lot of people don't realize that that's happening right here. Been a lot of fun. Had some guys succeed. We've been able to work with some guys from, uh, from Nickel State who have been able to go to uh, mini camp with, with uh, the NFL, yeah. uh, with the Cleveland Browns, with the, with the LA Rams. So we've, we've had a fair amount of success. Awesome. We've, we've at least been able to take the players and get them evaluated at the next level, which is, always, which is always the goal. We just want to get you to the next level. And then from there, you know, it's, it's, it's really up to them. I know in preparation for the podcast, I was talking to some other people and, and a lot of people, I guess, get confused about uh, jujitsu, the type of mixed martial arts that you practice there. Can you maybe give us like a, a basic summary on how everything is, is structured as, and then as far as uh, your, the belts and things like that as, sure. as you move up? Sure. So um, at Blacklist, we offer jujitsu for all skill levels. So we actually offer a beginner's class, both gi and no gi. And the difference between gi and no gi is one, you wear a uniform. The other one, it's more like you're wearing t-shirt shorts. Okay. And we offer both for all skill levels. We also offer kickboxing. Um, we do offer some judo. We do, we do offer some wrestling. But the way it's structured is um, most of your jiu-jitsu classes are going to be later in the evening. And okay. most of your striking and beginner classes are going to be a little bit earlier in the evening. So, you know, starting around like 530, you're going to have like your kids. After that, you're going to have your adult beginner jiu-jitsu, probably have some kickboxing going on at the same time. And then we segue right into the adult all-level jiu-jitsu. Okay. So the belt structure is all under the jiu-jitsu? Correct. Okay. Correct. So. Okay. When you when you when you start jujitsu, you're you're going to start off as a white belt. Okay. Now that white belt's going to have four tiers. So as you progress, we start giving you a stripe just to kind of give you an idea of you know where you are in the belt system. Once you get to white belt with four stripes on it, then we're going to start evaluating you for your blue belt. You know everything looks good. You know we feel that you're where you need to be to rank up, go to the next level. We award you your blue belt, and then you start the process all over. Except your your techniques start becoming a little bit more technical. The white belt is really a fundamental belt where you're learning just how to move. You know the general positions, how to transition between the positions. Uh, when you become a blue belt, you actually start learning how to how to kind of start advancing your technique a little bit. Start getting to some advanced stuff. You're still you're still working on your fundamentals and how to tie them all together, but you actually start doing some uh, advanced positions transitions. If somebody was to come in and maybe they had experience in like Taekwondo or Shotokan or Tang Sudo or something like that, and they were maybe belted on that, and then they come in, would they still kind of start at the bottom level? Let, let's say, for instance, if, if we have someone who came in, because we actually have students who, who were Taekwondo black belts. Okay. Because the martial arts are so different, uh, we would probably, we're, actually, we would definitely start them off as white belts. Okay. Say probably, just because the martial arts are completely different. Gotcha. So not to say that their Taekwondo won't help them, but... The techniques just are, are, they differ too much in order to say, okay, well, you know, we can honor your black belt. You know, they would definitely start off as a white belt and they wouldn't lose their Taekwondo black belt by any means. Right. But they would have to start over with us. Right. That makes sense. Yep. And I I can actually use a running analogy here. You know, if you have a long distance runner, someone who just primarily only runs long distance, you know, and then like two and a half, three years later, you know, they're they're an incredible long distance runner. All of a sudden they want to start running, you know, they want to become a sprinter four time, a good sprinter. Well, they kind of have to go back and, you know, re- redo all their the way they move, their biomechanics, their steps. You have to kind of start over to to rebuild to that elite level. 
Right. So that, that, that's kind of how I classify that. Okay. Speaking of running, Gabe, you've also done some running, haven't you? I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a part of the Mahoney's run group, but no more. I was, I was excommunicated by like one Michael McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to go into a little bit of my running history, in 2016, I actually prepared for a half marathon, and I was running with you guys uh, yep. quite a bit every Monday, you know, kind of a double whammy. I was preparing for a competition for jiu-jitsu called Fight to Win, but at the same time, I was also in really good shape running with, with your group just because they have, you know, very, very uh, passionate excited people in that group and I figured that'd be the best place to get that additional work and right. also be competitive at the same time because let's be honest a lot of a lot of the people that go there you know they do there is a little bit of competition going on and that's great because it helps you push yourself and you know you want to always try to if you can PR you definitely want to do that right so it was it was great you know because it, it solved two problems for me after my competition I continued to run because I wanted to run um, a half marathon with my wife which was both good and bad. <laughs> I probably picked one of the hardest half marathons in the United States to run, which was this, which was the Golden Gate Half Marathon. Nice. Um, you know, I finished in about two hours and forty three minutes. But what I wasn't prepared for was the amount of hills in San Francisco. Right, right. <laughs> a lot of ups and downs. A lot of winds around hills. You know, I, I remember one part of it at the uh, at the base of the bridge. You actually had to kind of go down into a valley go around to the other side, then come back up and get back on the bridge. And, and I, I'll tell you this right now, that part killed me. <laughs> I'm just going to stay right here. Well, you know, you know how you, it's funny because earlier you were talking about how you're using your gummies to give yourself energy. Well, mm-hmm. I remember as soon as I got back to the top, I took a pack of gummies and I ate the whole thing. <laughs> so I managed to give myself not only a stomachache, but some right. really severe cramps oh, man. <laughs> at, about oh, mi- man. at about mile 10. I was like, oh man, this is just going south. <laughs> so, so, I, uh, so, so my wife was like, look, we're almost done. We're almost done. Look, just, just push through it. Funny enough, I, I let out this yell right in front of the medical tent. They're like, oh, sir, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and I end up running. I think I walked a mile just because I was completely spent. And then yeah. I ran the last two miles. But overall, it was an incredible experience. Outside of my wife, just she was in a state of euphoria where she was <laughs> filming on the bridge. She's like, oh, my God, this is... It was one of the most greatest things I've ever done. And I'm sitting there right behind her just dying, just hoping that my body just lasts through this. Right. And at one point I was literally like, man, like I could really throw her off the bridge and like go home single and be completely <laughs> okay with that. <laughs> this to show you the state of mind I was in. Right. But no, did that, finished it. And then after that race, I, I, I didn't realize how much, how much just overhead I put on my body. I, you know, it can be really deceiving when you see your run group has, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have run half marathons and it's just like yeah. they do it every weekend you know they do it every other day they run a half marathon they run that type of distance mm-hmm. but uh my body literally almost shut down on me right yeah I, I was i was telling the story about how i was you know i was in the shower with hot water hitting me for about 40 minutes before my body re-regulated just so, trying to come to right and so after so after that i kind of i kind of took a step back from from running just because um i just put so much overhead on my body at that time between Running with the group, doing fight to win, and then doing that competition, I was like, okay, now it's, it's time to take a break. But yeah, that's actually something I'm hoping to get back to pretty soon is getting back out there and running. Uh, it's it's been long enough; my body's healed, so I feel like it's uh, it'd be the right time. So hopefully, so maybe not right away, but maybe like with springtime when we start getting a little bit of that, you know, warmer but still cool still, weather. I think that'd be yeah. the time to get back out there and uh, strap on the running shoes again. So looking forward to you and your goals like do you have anything coming up that you're hoping to achieve or any goals for this year 
Yeah, I think a lot of the, I think, and I don't just, I'm not just speaking for myself, um, but I think it just has a lot to do with this pandemic right now. Yeah. It's really tough, one, A, to travel. Mm-hmm. And B, just, you know, they're they're frowning upon, you know, just being a part of large groups. And, you know, when you're dealing with jujitsu, it's kind of close contact. I mean, right. you know, even running to a certain degree, you have to kind of get in close contact with people when you're just when you're coordinating, whatnot. So I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, we can once we start getting past the pandemic that, you know, things like the run group or, you know, we, we can get more people there, you know, more people in jujitsu. So I, I think I can. You know, I'd really like to start getting back into competition, both uh, running 5Ks and, you know, and for jiu-jitsu, just actually competing, um, you know, on the world level again. Something I've been very passionate about and just not trying to really take any chances right now, especially with, you know, with my mom. She's up in age, so I don't want to accidentally give her something just because I'm out competing and trying, right. to, and trying to accomplish my goals. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm trying to accomplish my goals with the limitations that have been placed upon all of us right now. Yeah. But, you know, trying to at least prepare myself when when things open back up to just be able to hit the ground running. So I'm hoping, you know, not only get back to maybe doing like a Masters and Seniors Worlds for the IBJJF, but, I'd, you know, potentially like to run like a rock and roll half if I can, you know, prepare for that. You know, definitely get back and run in 5Ks. It was something that even when I wasn't really competing, it was something I was very passionate about just because it's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, you get out there, the course is never the same. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, the running community is absolutely phenomenal. Right. You know, if, if it's your first time out there, you know, they, they love they love having you. You know, they just want to see, you know, people out there participating, you know, in the run clubs, in these events. So an absolutely great community to be a part of. And, you know, I'd like to get back to that. Yeah, and I know with, with running, like you mentioned, it it's outside. So while they aren't issuing permits for road races and stuff right. like that, for the most part, it is still something that's outside. So you can still kind of do something right. safely, but with, with like jujitsu and the organized events, that's all inside. Right. So it's hard to have a competition when you, you, it's frowned upon from people being able to come into one area and sit next to each other to, to watch a competition, sure. you know, and, and they've had, um, you know, and there's still organizations running like the, the AGF, the American grappling federation is still holding events. They just had a, an event this weekend in Biloxi, but the way they're doing it is, you know, you're not really having too many spectators. If you have a competitor, like let's say your parents of someone who's competing, that you can go in and watch while they're competing. But as soon as they're done, you, go. you have to leave. So, so they're really trying to limit the competition arena to just who's there competing, right. which which is good because it, it it still gives us a venue to compete in. Right. However, you know, a lot a lot of just the the um, the great experience of going to a grappling tournament is just meeting. The the different you know practitioners from around your area and a lot of times from around the world you know you have you know you might have a you know world champion visiting the area and he might just go to the competition give you an opportunity to meet him shake his hand you know we're, we're not quite having that right now just because of all the restrictions so like i said hopefully soon we can yeah. we can get back to some of that just keep training absolutely. waiting for it to open back up again yeah absolutely so speaking of something else that you've done you you also have officiated fights yes so i'm a senior referee here in in the state of Louisiana. I've been referring since 2004. So um, anytime there's a mixed martial arts event here in South Louisiana, um, I'm us- I'll usually be there as one of the refs officiating. So out of all of these hats that you wear, which you wear very well, mm-hmm. what's, what's your favorite? I can't really say I have a favorite because they're all different. And, uh, and for me, one is more of a break from the other. Because, okay. you know, like, for instance, like with mixed martial arts, uh, we'll have weekends or, and I've gone stretches where I started refing on a Thursday night and refereed events all the way till Sunday night. Jeez. You know, and then from there, you know, 
come Monday morning, you're doing sports performance work with a, you know, a potential future NFL player. I really enjoy all the things I do equally mm-hmm. just because they just because I never get burnt out on one thing. Yeah, I can. You know, see it that. allows me to kind of float between things, kind of you know, change my hat, change my mindset. You know, I have to approach things a little bit differently. Um, so it it it's really nice to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I just the the more I dug into you know all the things that you've done, and to to know now that you di- were not an athlete, you know, like you right. you really didn't get to compete and perform in high school and things like that. To right. be doing what you're doing now is incredible. It's awesome. And it's funny because you always hear the stories of like, you know, you, you hear like an NFL player who did JPP from the Buccaneers, Jason, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. I don't think he played football until he was junior or senior in high school. That's crazy. And then he just went on to break college records and he was an early draft pick for the New York Giants. So I think for, for those of us who kind of late bloomers in life, as I like to call them, it's just, you know, we find our passion for that thing and we just pursue it with our, you know, with all of ourselves, you know, and just try to be as successful as we can with it. Yeah, it's like untapped talent that you finally fell in love with something and just wanted to to keep going at it. Right, right, absolutely. And I'm not just speaking for myself, but you know when you find that that passion for something, mm-hmm. you know it, it just it just kind of flows out of you. You yep. know, it's not like oh man, I gotta I gotta do this today. It's almost like no, you know, I get to go I get home. To you know, do I, this. you know, I get to go home and watch you know either watch a player film or I get to go and work with you know, my buddy Jamal, get us forty times down, or you know, gonna get to go on the mats with my buddies and you know, work on some jujitsu for an hour. It's when you have that passion, it just flows right out of you and you put yourself in your, all, all of yourself into it. Right. So, and then I've been, I've been very fortunate to be a part of some things that have just, you know, that that's how it's flowed out. of me. Very, yeah. very blessed to be a part of it. Well, it's cool because you've changed people's lives. Like you've helped given them the tools to be able to, to really put them in a place where they may not have had that opportunity before. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's good because you see what someone else's dreams are. And when you can help them get closer to their dreams, you know, you, you always feel a sense of accomplishment Absolutely, you know, to be able to say, you know, Hey, I had a part of, you know, I had a part in, you know, him playing, you know, 10 seasons in the NFL, you know, even if it was that little small part, right? you know, you know it, it's great. And, and more so just, just to be able to have that experience, you know, yeah. to say like, Hey, you know, you know, whenever I'm old and decrepit, I can tell my kids, hey, look, I work with this guy. I'll probably be like, you're a liar. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I'll be like, hey, yeah, and then I'll be like, go talk to your mom. She'll tell you. Yeah. She was there. She was there for a lot of the stuff. You don't believe me. <laughs> she took all the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The Southdown Collective is supported and sponsored by Dr. Steve Morgan and Homa Family Dental. A very special thank you for your continued support to this podcast and our fitness community. We love hearing feedback from all of you, so please continue to reach out and let us know what you like, who or what inspires you, and more. This podcast is a collective interest for everyone in our fitness community, and yeah, that means you. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. Just search for the Southdown Collective, like, follow, and share. We post new episodes every Wednesday to all podcast platforms and share links on social media. Maybe you missed our chats with Corey Berg or Amber Berry or the awesome folks at CrossFit Homebrew. This is episode 12 and we have 11 previous episodes of interviews with unique local athletes you'll love to hear and learn more about. Speaking of great athletes, next week we'll be joined by local cycling legend Matt Traha. You won't want to miss this and his history of racing and cycling. So until next week, keep running, keep cycling, or whatever your passion. Train hard, stay safe, and in good health. And tell a friend about the Southdown Collective. Until next time. Peace out, guys. Hasta la vista. See ya.